Welcome to the RevTech Revolution podcast. Today's episode will be hosted by Reva's VP of Sales, Ken Lorenz. He will be talking with Narav Doctor about solving unique data challenges with MNPI, three-year trends in data, customer 360, and AI, and what's driving innovation at Salesforce Financial Services Cloud. All of this and more on the RevTech Revolution podcast. Uh, Narav, always a pleasure to, to have you join. Uh, so Narav, Narav leads the product vision for financial services cloud for B2B banking and asset management. As a solution architect and now as a product leader, he has a strong track record of delivering innovative solutions that transform customer and employee experience in financial services. He was instrumental in the recent launch of the corporate investment banking solution for FSC, which enables bankers to deepen client relationships and optimize the deal pipeline while remaining compliant with the stringent regulations for sharing material non-public information. Remember that term. We're going to talk a lot about material non-public information today. So with that said, Narav, welcome. So great to have you on the call. Thank you so much, Ken. A pleasure to be here. Well, fantastic. Well, let's so let's dive right in. So I'm sure everybody you know wants to know a little bit more about you. So who's Narav and what 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 are you passionate about? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Yeah, such a great question, right? So uh, what gets me out of out of bed every morning is the great opportunity to transform the experience for customers, partners, and employees uh, through innovative solutions. And uh, in, in, to that effect, over the last you know, 20 plus years, I've worked in a number of different enterprise software companies, both large and small. And in, and in all of those uh, roles, I've had the opportunity to work on uh, transforming these customer experiences in one way or the other. So I started on with some uh, with a small startup uh, developing web applications, and then worked in large organization like Cisco, and then got into the Salesforce ecosystem, and that has been such an amazing ride over the last twelve years. Uh, with the first five years being uh, a solutions architect, implementing all kinds of solutions uh, from using Salesforce products and also partner products, and then I got into customer success at Salesforce. And uh, that is where I got to really see up close how the customers are adopting these solutions once they implement it and how the end users are adopting it and, and how they update and maintain those solutions. And then uh, I got a fantastic opportunity to join the financial services cloud team at Salesforce uh, in the product team about five years ago. And this is where we build industry vertical solutions for the financial services industry. That, that's fantastic, Rob. It, it's always uh, it's always a, a great pleasure to do work on things that you're passionate about. I think it makes a real difference. So, yeah. so for for those that are not familiar with Financial Services Cloud, what is it, and and why is it important? That's a great question too, Ken. Uh, Financial Services Cloud, as I mentioned, just started just a little over uh, about six years ago, and the whole idea was that Salesforce has so many market-leading products for sales, uh, marketing, service automation, and analytics platform, and so many more. However, those are all horizontal solutions. So what we found is that the customers take those best-of-breed best solutions, but they tie those together and customize them for their own industry-specific use cases. I had a first-hand experience with those as a solutions architect uh, in professional services, 
And I built a lot of those, including for financial services. And, and we saw that, you know, the time to market and the time to implement and the cost uh, of implementing it can go down dramatically if more and more features were available through the product directly. So, so that was the guiding theme with the financial services cloud, that if you were to build those industry vertical solutions and give the industry-specific data model, business logic, and UI, then uh, we can take the customer 60, 70, 80% of the way there, and the cost and the time to implement those solutions would go down dramatically. But not just that, you know, in my role in customer success, the other thing I observed was that once a system integrator implements a solution, then when they go away, the internal IT team now has to, you know, keep the lights on, if you will, and keep maintaining that solution. And especially if there are a lot of customizations, they are harder to maintain and they cannot focus on the innovations. So this is where if there are more features available right out of the box, then they don't have to keep the lights on and they can focus on more innovations and how to drive maximum adoption through AI and other uh, technologies. So that is the whole value proposition of FSC. And with that in mind, what we did is started building industry vertical solutions, starting with wealth management. And then we went on to deliver solutions for retail banking, commercial banking, insurance, mortgage. And most recently, as you mentioned, we launched the solution for corporate and investment banking. Excellent. So, so actually, let's let's take a little bit of a dive down there for a second. So that new release of, of CNIB um, specifically was addressing the needs for investment banks. Why, why should they specifically consider moving to the FSC now? Yeah. So when we talk to uh, our investment banking customers and we talk to uh, different flavors of those customers across four different continents and across different sizes, whether we talk to bulge bracket or mid-market or boutique investment banking firms, a lot of common themes emerge. You know, the first thing from a business standpoint, uh, what we learned is that this business is really, really dependent on relationships at the highest echelons of uh, the organization because you're not selling some widget or just a piece of software. You are selling to the CEOs and boards of direction uh, directors. So uh, you have to uh, build and maintain those relationships. And then, uh, of course, you are trying to maximize the deal mandates through those uh, relationships. And last but not the least, as you are going through uh, that job, uh, you need to make sure that you, you are remaining compliant with all the relevant regulations, right? And so we know that in financial services, uh, regulations are omnipresent, but particularly with investment banking, there are a lot of relevant regulations that you absolutely must comply with. So uh, we learned those themes, and what we did is uh, within the financial services cloud, we combined that industry, uh, those industry insights with our expertise in the platform and the products to give uh, a tailored solution for the corporate and investment banking vertical. And so we have industry-specific data model, business logic, and UI that can really transform the experience for the bankers and their end customers too. So that's the key reason why uh, the customers should really look at financial services cloud. And, and so that will not only really uh, accelerate their time to uh, go live with that solution, but also ease the ongoing maintenance uh, and upgrades of those solutions. Got it. Got it. Well, so at, at the top, we talked about material non-public information. And, and I said, hang on to that thought because we're going to come back there. So, yeah. so let's go through a little bit. So for, for the audience... To define material non-public information, which, by the way, is a mouthful of, a, of an acronym, yeah. Um, but, but but go ahead and define that, and, and how does that come into play? 
Yeah, that is such a hot topic. Uh, I mentioned I talked to 30 plus customers and I think for almost every one of them, that was the first thing that they mentioned to me. And they said that is such a hairy problem. And they literally said that, you know, if you don't have a solution for that, we won't sign the dotted line, right? So it's it's that important. And maybe from a banker standpoint, of course, they want to remain compliant. But especially if you're working on the compliance side of the house, they, they sweat this thing every single day, right? Uh, and so what it really means is that when these investment banks, they are advising customers on sensitive deals, uh, there is a lot of confidential information that they ha uh, have access to. So let's say the most, uh, recent example of Salesforce acquisition of Slack, right? So what if the investment bank uh, team that is advising Salesforce on that acquisition uh, has that uh, information that we are looking at acquiring Slack? And there, if the other uh, individuals within that bank, if they learn about that impending deal, they could potentially uh, engage in insider trading, right? Which <laughs> would be illegal and uh, not only lead to regulatory fines and filings, but uh, a pretty massive loss of reputation in the industry too for the bank, right? So they want to make sure that they are preventing any such incident or any, and if there is any audit, internal audit or a regulatory audit, they can demonstrate that only the people who are working on this deal and were pre-approved had access to any deal-related information or even the deal-related call reports or any meetings that happened to discuss those things. So that is where the material non-public information becomes very important. Now, one thing to note over there is that a lot of these investment banks, they are not only providing these advisory services, but they are also providing research and trading services in the global markets line of business, right? And they, are, they would be covering these same stocks like Salesforce and Slack. So it's important that there are some ethical walls in between the global markets and the investment banking sites of the house and uh, any material non-public information can never be accessed by the public side uh, while the deal is uh, confidential. And sometimes even within the deal, uh, the deal uh, in the investment banking side, only the deal team should have uh, access to certain deal information. So that's uh, another place where that material non-public information needs to be uh, shared in a sensitive manner. And, and one important thing we learned uh, through that process is that the information may not reside only at the deal level, but sometimes just the knowledge that this particular meeting happened with, uh, with an executive could give a big hint. So, so a lot of times those events themselves are sensitive and they need to safeguard uh, sharing of that information too. And, th and that's why you, in the CNIB product launch, you included the interactions module now as a new set of functionality to help separate the details of those meetings. Exactly. So what we learned from customers is, and our customers, some of them are really creative and they built, started building some of the solution before we did. And what they found is that uh, the traditional uh, Salesforce activities where they used to capture those events or capture the call logs or, or the traditional opportunity uh, data model that, they, uh, that Salesforce had was not suitable for really putting these tight you know, screws around the material non-public information. Sometimes it was, they found is a little bit too permissive and, uh, and in more technical terms, you know, the activities did not have their own independent sharing and for opportunities, you could not turn off sharing via role hierarchy. So anybody above you in the role hierarchy might be able to see that information. And what we learned is a lot of times the deal team that they are, uh, may have access to that information, but their management team may not see the sensitive information too. So, so they were saying that we need to uh, be able to turn off this uh, role hierarchy-based sharing too. 
And so what they were doing is they were building custom objects to model all these things and they were writing all the custom logic for the sharing. So what we did is we came up with a new data model for both managing the deals as well as all the client meetings as well as the call reports. And we came up with this interactions and interaction summaries data model, which has the full power of Salesforce platform sharing. However, it also gives you the full control in terms of who you want to share that with. And on top of that, we build the compliant data sharing uh, feature, which allows you as an admin or as a compliance team member to configure all those rules in terms of who gets access to any deal-related information and what level of access they get, whether it's read-only or read-write. So that's the solution that we have built. Well, fantastic. Well, I, I have to say thank you very much for letting us be part of that solution with you. Um, so our, our, our small role in that is to make sure that the calendar items and, and whatnot get synchronized properly to the interactions module. So we, we appreciate being part of that solution for you. That It was a, a great honor for you to tap us and, and ask us to participate in that. Great to have you as partners. Yeah, absolutely. So when, when you think about banks and, and the ones that are most forward thinking, um, you know, they need to solve for the customer 360, um, but their end users need to live in Outlook. What advice would you give a bank that's trying to manage that? Yeah. Uh, so I want to start with a small story there. So as I was talking to one of the managing directors as, uh, at a leading bank, uh, so they came to the meeting and the first thing they said was, we had uh, a breach, you know, because some of the sensitive call reports uh, were shared via email by one of our bankers, and uh, and it went to some people that should not have had <laughs> this information. And now we are just trying to retrace this thing, but we don't even know if that email got forwarded, and we don't know exactly the whole chain of events and everything. And so we can't even we we know that it happened, but we don't even have a good way of understanding the scope of the damage and what we need to do to you know uh, undo that whole damage right so so this is a tricky problem for the compliance teams because while they want to make sure that they are remaining compliant they don't want to be uh, slowing down the banking teams you know they are working very very long hours working on the deal and so they don't want to compromise the ease of use so this is where uh, what we found is that uh, it's best to have an integrated solution so we are not you know, compromise on the ease of use. So we still let the bankers use Outlook to manage the calendar, manage all the events and everything. But when it comes to capturing the call reports and sharing them with their uh, teams, whether it's a deal team or coverage team as appropriate, we uh, want uh, to we want to leverage the financial services cloud and the features that we just mentioned. Now, as we do that, we want to make that experience as seamless as possible. We don't want the bankers to have to re-enter all that meeting information and who attended and when the meeting was and whatnot. So that is where an integration with Outlook events becomes so critical. And that is where, you know, we really appreciate that Riva already integrates with the interaction summary uh, and the interaction data model that we have built so that, you know, once a calendar event is synced to, uh, within Financial Services Cloud without re-entering any of that information, the banker can just go and quickly capture the call reports and share it with the deal team while remaining fully confident that as they are doing so, they are not inadvertently sharing this information with somebody that should not have access to this. And, and this is th also thanks to the approval process that we have enabled on these entities so that any new person that you are adding to the deal team or adding uh, to the call report itself, 
they uh, they can be pre-approved by compliance to receive that information. So you have full confidence uh, from the banker side as well as compliance that you are not you know violating any rules related to sharing of MNPI. That's great. Thank you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to put your revolutionary slash visionary hat on for a second. T tell us what you think is important in this space over the next three to five years. And, and I know you're going to talk about customer 360 and AI, of course, but but give us Naraz's point of view here. Yeah, so I think we have a great foundation with you know getting a better understanding of the who the client is and what uh, the bank's relationship with that client is, and uh, and and how they man uh, they manage the deal lifecycle and how they manage the you know client interactions and capture all the call reports. But there is so much more we can do with this, right? Especially as uh, we we start bringing in more and more data into uh, financial services cloud. So that is one of the top themes that we hear from our customers, that the bankers are not just living in Outlook and not just using financial services cloud, but they have to rely heavily on data from third-party data sources, whether it's Pitchbook or Fexet or you know, cap IQ and other, uh, or there are relationship databases also. So they are, and, and they are capturing uh, or consuming news from other uh, sources like Refinitive and Bloomberg. So they are still going to a lot of different systems. So one of the key themes over the next few years that we see, and, and which is also on our near-term roadmap, is to integrate with those data sources and bring all of that information in one place in context of a particular client or in context of the you know, set of clients which are part of your coverage. So it's all filtered and sorted out for you so that you are not going to five or 10 different data sources to consume all of that. And and one uh, one of the key benefits of capturing all that information at the client level within the CRM system would be that uh, once you have that data, you can run analytics on that, any AI to give recommendation on the next best action, whether, you know, this is the next client you should call or this is the idea you should pitch to them. So you can start building those intelligence features on top of that. And you can also run all kinds of analytics in terms of, you know, who are the target uh, clients you want to target. For example, this is a counterparty who is most likely to transact with you, and that's why you should pitch this deal to them. So these are the kind of integrations and intelligent uh, business processes that you can start building on top of that. And, then, and another side of this equation is also to deepen the client relationship by getting a better understanding of their interests, right? So that is where uh, we are looking at building some features to track all the client interests, like what are the kind of themes they are interested in? Are they interested in COVID or Brexit or specific tickers or, you know, so what are the key things or they are interested in uh, M&A? So we can start capturing all those client interests in one place and also build client lists to target based on those interests so that if you want to do a client outreach, for a specific event or a specific deal shop or, or any given roadshow, then you can use those lists to do so. So the whole theme over here is get all the data in one place and start building those analytics and intelligent workflows on top of that and all in one place. So it's a single pane of glass for the banker and they have that full client 360 degree view in one place without doing the swivel chair across you know, five or 10 different systems. Excellent. So, you know, when we work across a number of different industries and you see titles coming up and becoming more prevalent, like sales ops and revenue ops, mm -hmm. um, and, and having a real impact on the business, 
do you see those titles or those titles by a different name showing up in financial services? And, and how did we develop a roadmap to address those new, new roles that are coming about? Yeah, so uh, in terms of the titles, I think they are somewhat fluid uh, and there are different titles. Uh, so in, within the banks, they may call these by different names. But I think one of the key themes that uh, we see is that uh, whatever you call them, sales ops or revenue ops, they are uh, looking for more and more empowerment. What we hear from customers is they and, and, and those <laughs> people in that those roles specifically is that for every small thing, they don't want to depend on IT. They want to uh, do some self-service, if you will. And if they want to quickly go and run some audit report or if they quickly want to run some uh, report on, you know, the deal analysis or, you know, the win-loss analysis or what have you, they want the tools in their at their fingertips or even uh, similarly from a compliance ang uh, angle so as the sales ops or revenue op is trying to make sure uh, that they are remaining compliant with all this data sharing so even there they want to be able to manage the coverage team or the relationship teams and then they want to do it on their own uh, so and so we have tried to cater to the those uh, audiences by giving them a lot of configurable solution so that it's not just that i'm uh, IT admin, but even an end user can go uh, and configure those things, and they don't have to rely on developers all the time. Fantastic, fantastic. So that that's the end of the softball questions, Rob. <laughs> you ready for some hard ones? Actually, sure. we're, uh, we're starting to get some questions in from the audience, and I, I think it'd be a great opportunity to uh, to take some of those. So. Um, one of the questions that we've got that has come in is is curiosity about AI. And are there any, and I know you can't share brands and, and that's completely acceptable, but are there any Finn's clients or stories that you can talk about where we've had success with AI to date? Yeah, so I think AI can has so many broad applications. One of the biggest themes that we have been working on very actively is the relationship insights, you know, the Einstein relationship insights that, uh, you know, Salesforce has launched recently and uh, our CIB solution uh, has already integrated with that so that the investment bankers can tap into that. And to give you a, a very uh, specific example in context of investment banking, so let's say you're, you want to pitch to uh, a CEO and let's take example of uh, Benny up again, right? So if you want to go and pitch to him, you can't exactly just cold call him, right? So uh, wouldn't it be nice if uh, you got a warm introduction through some uh, mutual connection, right? And this is where you can leverage AI. You can uh, you know, try to figure out who connects me to Mark Benioff. And, and of course, there are structured data sources out there right now that some of our uh, customers are already using. And, and we are familiar with those, but where Einstein relationship uh, insights uh, is differentiated from those is it goes and scours all the unstructured data on the web and social data, and it uncovers those uh, connections that you may not even be aware of. So it can go and figure out that, oh, Ken here in uh, who works in my bank sits on the board of this not profit uh, with the CEO uh, very often. So Ken might be able to introduce me to uh, him. So. And this is something or this is a piece of information that does not sit in any structured database, but still through scouring of the web, we uncovered this insight. So this is a great example of uh, AI being applied. There are some other examples which we don't have yet, which we would uh, hope to work towards is, uh, you know, the voice technology and automatic transcription. And based on that, 
maybe uh, giving an intelligent suggestion that hey based on your past interactions and these recent event in the market you should reach out to this particular customer and pitch this particular idea and and an example could be you know the interest rates are low and they were trying to do a refinance or raise some capital this is a good time to go and pitch this to them so there are so many different use cases where you can start uh, using ai got it got it so i'm looking to see what additional questions we've got here we've got one from stephanie and she's actually asking us to go back a little bit around um, why investment banks should consider FSC or why customers should consider FSC in general. Um, can you talk a little bit more about some of the verticalization that you envision coming forward? And obviously, we we didn't put a forward-looking statement up, so we, we got to be careful with that. Um, yeah. But can you talk about that at a, at a high level? Yeah. And even with the given solution, I think we have pretty solid uh, capabilities, right? So, so broadly, I classify those as, you know, data model, business logic, and custom UI, right? Well, specifically for investment banking. But, uh, but let's talk about one specific example, right? So if we start talking about the whole MNPI data sharing, so that is one feature where some customers were building those things custom. And what they have said is it took them anywhere from 9 to 12 months just to build that custom sharing logic. Uh, along with the custom data model, and 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 no matter how you uh, you know slice and dice the cost, like it's it could be running into millions of uh, dollars just to implement that one feature, right? And we have a whole bunch suite of features like that. We have client hierarchy to visualize that client 360. We have you know the call reports that you can share uh, you know with your deal team or coverage teams, and and of course to support all of that, we have uh, investment banking specific data model. And then we are obviously working on some of the other uh, features that I mentioned related to analytics. So whether it's related to your deal flow or whether it's related to your win-loss analysis or if you want to do some white space analysis. So there are so many areas of investment uh, where we are still um, building a lot of different features. So I, I would say that anybody who starts with Financial Services Cloud will suddenly have a leg up in terms of the implementation cycle and even in terms of the user adoption ultimately so that uh, they don't have to you know build and maintain all of that custom code they can just go the last mile and do the final set of tweaks if you will based on their unique business processes now one other thing uh, which is also very beneficial if you think in terms of uh, going with financial services cloud is a lot of our uh, isv partners are building to this new data model right so, and Riva would be one example, right? So your Outlook Sync is already in integrated with our interactions and interaction summaries, right? So if somebody were to build a custom object for those same things, then they may have to build those integrations themselves, right? So that's just one example. But of course, this data model is being used by other ISV partners too, to build analytics and other deeper workflows, which complement what FSE already has. So, so you get to immediately take advantage of those ISV solutions also. Excellent. So we've got uh, another question, and I, and I think this one is actually for both of us, um, yeah. uh, from Jagnath. He, uh, he's asking about, when we talk about sharing items within calendar, how do we control this and ensure attachment and other items within the calendar can be controlled, plus is this user configurable? So I, I guess maybe I'll, I'll, I'll start half of that question and start on the outside of Salesforce, and then I'll pass it over to you on the inside of Salesforce. Yeah. So from a, from a Reva perspective, um, you know, we're, when we go to sync that particular calendar item, 
we we've got a lot of choices on how we configure that. And there's a number of business rules and flexibility that we can configure in to determine how that particular calendar item may be treated. Right. So as an example, we've recently added some functionality that allows a banker to specifically identify this meeting is going to be handled in a certain way when it gets synchronized. Synchronize all the detail, synchronize only the meeting itself, synchronize only portions of it, et cetera. So that the data that finds its way to Salesforce gets controlled by the configuration of the sync. Now, once it, I'm going to hand it off to you, Narav, once that, once we've sent that data over to Salesforce, then, then how do you guys handle that and make sure that that only gets seen by the right people? Absolutely. So what we do is, so this data gets synced into an entity called as interaction and the related entity uh, called interaction attendees, right? What we have done is uh, created new base platform objects or BPOs as we call them internally. So these are brand new entities that we have created and uh, they have all the power of Salesforce uh, platform sharing features. But one key thing that we took care of is uh, gave the customers the ability to control whether they want to share those records via role hierarchy or not so you so admins can configure whether they want to share these records uh, with the people in the role hierarchy or they don't they can simply turn it off so they have that one big lever of control that we have given and the other thing that we have done is these entities have their independent sharing so if you are familiar with the activities they their sharing follows the parent account or the parent con contact with which they are associated not so with interactions and interaction summaries you have full control of who gets access to that. So you can set the sharing model to private and then open up sharing as appropriate uh, using all the sharing features. Now, one other thing that we have done is enabled uh, approval processes on uh, who gets uh, access to this data. So we have the compliant data sharing feature where you can add uh, you know, call report participants or what we call as interaction participants and interaction summary participants. So for each of those records, you can individually add and remove people and assign them roles based on which they will get access. And if you don't add them to that interaction or interaction summary as participants, they get no access whatsoever. But if you add them, then based on the centralized configuration, they get either read access or read write access. And also as you are adding those people as a banker, you might still inadvertently add somebody from the public side or somebody who should not get access. So that is where the approval process uh, comes into play. So that uh, you know what we do is once that person is approved if you have that turn on that approval process and if it once it is approved by the compliance based on any conflict clearance only then that person becomes active in context of that interaction or interaction summary and only then the compliant data sharing kicks off so if you are using compliant data sharing in conjunction with this approval process you have all the uh, all the controls in place and it's really airtight so you have the full flexibility to share with whoever you want without uh, you know, leaking that information to somebody who should not have that access. Awesome, so there's a follow-up here from Jagnath. Um, he's asking again, how is it audible, auditable and uh, integration reports can show the summary of who did what? Yeah, so, uh, so that's a great question. So I think right now we, I would say we have a partial solution, <laughs> uh, and there is the other part of it that is on our roadmap that we uh, hope to get to. So uh, in terms of the auditing for current access, if I talk about in, in the moment of time, 
then we already have the share tables within Salesforce. We are using standard Salesforce share tables where these entries are in terms of who has access, what level of access they have, and uh, so and so on and so forth, and what their role is. So and the sharing reason why something was shared with them. So we have those entries. So if you wanted to go and check a particular deal or a call report or an event and who had access to it uh, and and how why they got the access and what level of access. You can certainly uh, go to that sh uh, sharing share table and see that. And we do have the UI. And and by the way, previously it was only available in Classic. Now it's available in Lightning too. So you can go and see it in the Lightning experience. But <laughs> yeah, finally. <laughs> uh, so it's been there for a couple of releases now. But the other aspect of this is the historical data, right? So if you wanted to know that in the past, this Ken was part of this deal team, he had access to this, he's no longer part of, of the bank or the part of the deal team, and he no longer has access. Now, that historical piece we have not directly solved for yet. That's on our radar. Uh, but however, if you, you know, the banks wanted to maintain that, they do have the way to you know, uh, log whatever uh, sharing had happened so they can maintain a copy of that, uh, of the share table entries and you know, keep, it, keep it up to date. So there is a, an interim way to do that uh, if you customize uh, that one bit. And we do have some customers who have done that. Uh, until we uh, come up with that uh, solution for the historic data also. Awesome. So uh, maybe a little bit of a softball going in a little different direction. Um, FS for retail banking. Um, how far has Salesforce gone? Are there any case studies that you can point to? Uh, okay. So, so first up, retail banking is not my domain. I'm not responsible <laughs> for that. So. I may not have the best answer, but uh, here are a couple of thoughts. Uh, and I know that on our website, we publish a lot of case studies and even ROI studies. So definitely check out uh, the resources we have on the web. And uh, But if you uh, are looking for something more specific, yeah, you can you know follow up with me offline and I can uh, connect you to the right marketing people who can provide more details. Thank you for tuning in to the RevTech Revolution podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to rate, review, and share this with colleagues who would benefit from it. If you would like to learn more about how Reva can help you improve your customer data operations, check out RevaEngine.com 